And I'm Mitch Wiley. This is The Cinema Files, and today we are going to be giving you some of our thoughts on two of our favorite movies that have come out so far this year. We've gotten a couple pretty good ones, and uh, those two movies are The Batman and Everything Everywhere All at Once. A little bit of a mouthful there. Mm-hmm. Two very, Two very different movies. Yes, two very different movies, but two that we're equally excited about. And uh, we know we're a little bit late on Batman, but at the very least wanted to give some of our thoughts on kind of how we were feeling about it and where we feel like it's going. Uh, But before we do anything, we wanted to do not necessarily a recap, but uh, just a quick follow up on our last episode. We talked all about the Oscars and all the crazy things that we thought were maybe going to happen and um we we got a got a pretty good show out of it i think Turn, turns out i think that i had 22 out of 23 categories correct but it's pretty impressive yeah which means it was a pretty predictable oscars i would say yes. where nothing surprising really happened until yeah. coda won at the end yeah nothing really else yeah i think that's most people talking about coda and um Billie Eilish's dress, I guess. Yeah, pretty pretty slow show. I can't really can't really think of much else. But uh, if anything, it validated us for our ability to choose these categories correctly. Yes, so. I agree one hundred percent because we have it on record. If you want to listen back, I think we yeah. probably between the two of us got every single category right. <laughs> we did pretty good. I think I think between the two of us, we did get every single one right. So yeah, how about that. But, and, I, uh, and even for the shorts, I like kind of did some Hail Marys and happened to, you know, get a yeah. go, get all three of them right, but oh well. Yeah, but besides the obvious, we did think that the uh, ceremony was pretty terrible and hope that it gets better. Yeah, I think my, my biggest, honestly, the thing that bothered me the most about it, you know, the slap aside, it, this even bothered me more than the slap was, it just seems like the Academy and ABC are ashamed for the movies that they nominate. And I think that, they it comes across as not as celebrating movies like their whole you know theme was like movie lovers unite but it didn't seem like that they love the movies um and i think that that's frustrating especially for a night that's supposed to be celebrating the art and history of cinema to just make it so cheap yeah i wish that you could have like some compilation of screenshots of every movie fan in the world when flash entering the speed force was <laughs> voted number one. What was it like best it like moment the, or something? It was like the best moment. And like, it was either of the year or of all time. <laughs> I don't even know. But Zach uh, I hope got his moment the in the sun twice for really no reason. <laughs> Winning more Oscars than the power of the dog and Jane Campion. Oh but. man. Yeah. I'm just going to put it out there. Not a, not the biggest Zack Snyder person. So take that for what you will. You can uh, well, <laughs> stop hey, listening that, if you that, want, that, I guess. I mean, that applies to our, to the topic at hand, the Batman, because that's uh Reeves is taking over for, well, I guess this yeah. is a whole new universe. So you don't I have to so. watch any other. <laughs> well, yeah, that's not how the world works anymore, but you don't have to for, for, you know, for the sake of this conversation, you can go in blind to the Batman. Uh, no pun intended as blinds are 
uh, bats are blind. Um, you can go in blind and not have to worry about, oh, do I have to see, you know, the Zack Snyder's Justice League? Do I have to see all these other things first? No, it's just straight up Batman. Yeah. So when it comes to Batman, so obviously that is one that a lot of people have been waiting for. We've known it's coming. It's been kind of like in that COVID thing, a lot of things have been in that it was sort of in the spot of when is this going to come out? Is it ever going to come out? People kept getting COVID on the production and then it finally came out and it actually came out when they said it would. So what was your, I think we've both seen it twice. Yes. What was your, after your first watch, like what was your immediate kind of like, this is what I thought about it. Yeah. My gut reaction to it was that it was extremely well made. Uh, And we talked a little bit about in the past couple episodes about how the MCU's visuals tend to be really gray and bland. And just it comes across as really obvious that they are working on sound stages and that they're working with green screens and not interacting with real cities and and other people. And, And that can be frustrating as a viewer. And when you watch this, you immediately see okay this is this is made by um you know somebody with an artistic eye beyond just the bottom line and i think that the first two acts i thought were a lot stronger than the third when it stays kind of grounded and gritty and as as soon as it expands to something you know really big and spectacle based i think it loses some of its steam Um, and I, and I think that there's, you know, one huge plot point that really drove me crazy, um, that involves water, but (laughs) that I thought was extremely convenient. Uh, but, (laughs) but yeah, I think that, but on a second watch, I was much more forgiving, um, to the third act because I mean, it's a superhero movie. You gotta have, it can't just be a guy looking through dusty old moldy files the whole time, you know? Yeah. You have to have something eventually. So, uh. But I mean, I think it was probably the best Batman we've gotten in a while, certainly since since the Dark Knight. So I think it's something that I, I really enjoyed watching and I, it's going to be on HBO Max here pretty soon. I'll probably check it out for a third time or at least certain certain scenes involving a Batmobile. Yeah, I think today they said April 18th is like the official drop okay. date on HBO Max. But yeah, I mean, I think that. I think that my initial reaction walking away from it was I think the struggle with something like Batman and I think with any comic book movie is that there are so many iterations of every character and there's so many directions that you can go, whether that's, you know, Bruce Wayne, Batman, you know, who you're focused on, who's which kind are they going to be? Are they going to be? You know, the very playboy Bruce Wayne. Are they going to be the sad Bruce Wayne? Are they going to be violent Batman, detective Batman? You know, all these different options. And so I think that going into this one, anytime something's rebooted and, you know, there's all this excitement around it, I think you always are like hoping for the best of everything. And so you set yourself up for like, okay, I want it all in this one movie. And my expectations are that they are going to have the perfect blend of all the things that I want. And this one, which I think I appreciated more after a second watch was that it just took the lane that it wanted to take and it stayed with it. It picked 
this is the kind of Bruce Wayne we're going to have. This is the kind of Batman we're going to have. This is the kind of world we're going to be in. And this is what we're sticking with. We're not going to try to blend a million different types of characters and try to make them all work together. Like we're going to create a world that makes sense together. And I think I really enjoyed that. And I don't know that maybe from Batman that we've ever gotten such a focused version and world where everything really, I think clicked together. I think that obviously dark Knight is what it is. You know, I think it's safe to say it's one of the best movies ever made. And I think that the reason that it is, is because it, it did something that people didn't maybe realize was possible with a movie like that, with a comic book superhero type movie. But really at the end of the day, you know, I agree if you want or not, but I, I think that Heath Ledger's performance in that is just so monumental and big that, Yes, the movie is great, but also you have to accept that without that piece, does it really hold together at all? You know, or is it his kind of chaotic performance that really is the glue for the whole thing? Versus, I think in Reeves's version, it all is a much more balanced act that I think really works well together. Um, mm-hmm. which I think is what I really enjoyed about it is that it wasn't necessarily hinging on any one thing. It just kind of hit on, hit on all cylinders and, and really worked for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's another, another, it's interesting because you know, what is this movie? This movie's a detective story and yeah. which means it's much less interested in bombastic action, though it certainly gives you that. It is much more interested in the mystery, the intrigue, the what's hiding in the shadows, what's, you know, what goes bump in the night, and also a, a conspiracy theory that is political, that is economic, that is social, cultural, uh, about a city. And I think that that really hits, I think it did a good job of giving us a Batman for today, for 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not that there's, it's not like they're saying, oh, you know, the Riddler is QAnon conspiracy theorist, but you you recognize that. Oh, that's yeah. familiar. Yes, I've seen people like him. You know, what is what is a villain today? A villain today is much, le- it's not as much of a Bane or yeah. or something, someone like Thanos or something like that. The villains yeah. today are, are in, in anonymity on the internet. Yeah, and yeah. I think that I think Reeves understands that, and I think that the hero that that Bruce Wayne is is he's a young, early to mid twenties, only two years into this, and so you're going to get much more of Zodiac and Seven. I mean, this feels like a David Fincher movie, you know, more times than it does something like yeah. The Avengers. So that's that's what you're getting going into it, and I think that's unique, and I think that's different. And, you know, obviously it's not super different because we've seen, you know, Zodiac and Seven. Those are those are very good movies about serial killers that, that remind you a lot of the Riddler. Um, but I, I think that Pattinson's performance really anchors um, the the interior. It, it's a very interior movie. Very. Yeah. I mean, even from the first, like, I think the first word spoken is Bruce reading his journals. Yeah. Um, and so immediately we're like, OK, we're going to be in the inner world of Bruce Wayne and we follow him so much. And yeah, I thought it was um, I thought it was really interesting choices made that that felt like they were right for our time. 
Yeah, so I read Infinite Journal, and I was like, is this a Paul Schrader movie? Like, what, what's yeah, going on? Yeah, First Reformed or The Card Counter. No, no, no. This is, this is the Batman. Yeah, well, and I think, too, what I, what I really enjoyed about it, and I think I enjoy any comic book movie that does very much clearly draw inspiration from the comics that it comes from. You know, like at the end of the day, when you look at the entire Marvel Universe, the only way it really made sense to tie anything together was to pick a comic storyline to make it work. And so I think that oftentimes when you find something that's trying so hard to like pull away from source material, to like be its own thing, it often doesn't really work. And so I think here, obviously, he's got these film references, like you said, with Zodiac and Seven, but at the same time he's drawing from, you know, the comic storylines like long Halloween and year one and stuff like that, that are in and of themselves really incredible and deep detective stories. And I think he does such a good job of blending all those together that it really, it really makes it stand apart. I think from a lot of the other Batman films that have separated themselves from comic storylines in a way that I hope continues to be effective. Obviously it's hard to, it is hard to, I think, compare this one to, say, like, the Nolan trilogy or mm-hmm. to, you know, all of Burton's um, just because it's like you kind of view those together versus yeah, yeah. as individual movies. And so I think it does become a little bit difficult um, to put those next to each other. But I do still think it's it's kind of fun to think about, OK, you know, out of all these Batman movies, which are the ones that we, you know, kind of like the most and feel like really work for us. Yeah. What was your uh, your favorite scene of this new Batman? Oh, man. Mine has to be any time that Colin Farrell is probably on screen. Mm. Uh, mm. Uh, <laughs> I think the car chase is is the big is one of the big spectacle scenes. And I think it's the one that's the coolest. And I think you get a cool new Batmobile. That's kind of vintage looking like a more of a muscle muscle car. I think that's indicative of kind of the whole, the whole movie is you're getting a grittier, more grounded retro Batman. And I think that the, uh, the villain worked for it. The cars worked for it, but then you get, you do get some of some, a little bit of uh, that camp that Batman was so famous for in the nineties with Colin Farrell. But even then it's like, this is a welcome, you know, bit of levity to what is a very dark and serious and in many ways, unfunny movie. But I do think it's funny. Anytime Batman is, is walking around in a crime scene in full regalia. Yeah. It's just just like, this is, and then when they call him a freak, you're like, yeah, I mean, (laughs) He yeah. is a freak. That's yeah. really weird. And I think, yeah, Reeves understands that like the whole idea of the Batman is odd to begin with. So yeah. I think that they, they use the humor to point out the, the oddities of that. Yeah. I think the, I think probably my favorite scene. And I think this one was, is more based on just the fan and me was just his entrance, you know, coming out of these shadows and just oh, this yeah, like, yeah, yeah holy cow, like, if this guy showed up while I was doing something bad, I would pee myself and run away. Yeah, Just, like, I think it did so well to kind of bring out that very intimidating and fast and, you know, very agile, but, like, doesn't always need to use violence kind of character. I think it did a really good job of introducing it. I mean, honestly, I think the first... 
five minutes of this movie, five, ten minutes, like I wouldn't change anything. Like the mm-hmm. way it sets up kind of the first crime, the way he's introduced, the way with the journals reading, like it's all done just so well. The bat signal. It, yeah, it makes you buy into like, I know this is going to be long because it is a long movie, but the beginning is so good that it's kind of like, okay, I'm going to be here for whatever happens yeah. next because I'm I'm bought in early. Yeah, it hooks you from the, from the get. Yeah, it's really good. So where does this Reeves' Batman kind of land in terms of your your Batman power rankings of feature films? Yeah, I, I, it's hard to know whether it's recency bias, whether it's actually I think it's this good. Um, for me... For me, in terms of, okay, what's the best of the Batman movies, it really does come down to this in The Dark Knight, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of not saying that the others don't have, you know, their good qualities. And I think there are other ones that do things better than both of those movies. Um, but I do think that those are the two that are the most like, I'm sitting down and I feel like I'm watching a Batman movie. And mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen. And I like am bought into what's going on. And I want to watch more when it's over. Yeah. That yeah. I think those two have the biggest pull to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah, especially in light of, I mean, we've kind of talked about, I mean, you're more into the comic lore than I am, but the, the Batman is a, a character who is dark and violent and angry and grief stricken and when you watch something like Joel Schumacher's Batman Forever or Batman yeah. and Robin, that's completely has missed the point for what Batman is. And it's and it's doing something that's much more interested in selling uh, toys and, you know, things like that. So uh, and then you get Zack Snyder's kind of iterations, which is post Nolan, which is man, I, how would you how would you describe Zack Snyder's Batman? Certainly very gadgety. Right. Lots of gadgets, very high tech, very well, violent. I mean, there oh, was, yeah, there was obviously the whole thing when he was like going around, like killing people in Zack Snyder's version. And people were like, uh, I thought the whole point of Batman was he doesn't do that. And mm-hmm. Zack Snyder's just like, well, who cares? Whatever. It's fine. And so mm-hmm. I, I mean, I th- honestly, I don't think that Zack Snyder's Batman himself is all that bad. Like other than the whole killing thing and stuff like that. But like Ben Affleck is genuinely a really good Batman, you know, like I hate to say it sometimes because I was like, so caught off guard when he was announced as Batman. I was like, seriously, Ben Affleck. But obviously I think over time, Ben Affleck's grown on me, but also like, I think he did a really good job with what he was clearly given. That was not Mm -hmm. great and makes the most out of his role specifically. Um, so I, I don't think that Batman was the problem, but I certainly don't think in terms of a movie and how he fits into it, that any of them were good. Yeah. 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 And I think I'd put, yeah. So sh- I, th- I think of these in terms of tiers. So, so Schumacher's would be at the bottom. Then I'd go Snyder's and probably Burton's after that. And that's, I think a lot of people, especially people that are older than us, movie fans that are older than us, remember those much more fondly just because those were, you know, the biggest movies of the year when they came out. Uh, but I've got I think, those right behind the new one. Okay. 
yeah, see, that's where I, I disagree with those just because I think, oh man, it's just so much of it. Just the way that the penguin is handled in Batman Returns, and I and I should mention my my wife, who's probably going to overhear me say this. Um, my favorite thing about Batman Returns is she one time told me that she would pee herself. Am I allowed to say this story? I guess she says. She says I guess. Um, my, she just like slowly walked in, just like what is he saying? My wife would, would pee herself when she was really young, so that she could sleep with her parents because she was so afraid of Danny DeVito's penguins. <laughs> um, I mean, hey, he does what he's there to do, I guess. But yeah, I think he, I think that whole, like, he's raised by, it's just, it gets so bonkers and ridiculous. <laughs> I do love Jack Nicholson as, as the Joker. Um, but then I'd put, I would actually put um, the Lego Batman uh, hmm. above um, Burton's. So that one might be very controversial. Uh, I, I guess I that's really, Lego take. Batman's really funny. Oh yeah, it, Both it, it depends on what you're. Yeah, it depends on what you're going in for, I guess. Yes, but, yes. Uh, and then I would probably put Batman Begins at number four, Dark Knight Rises number three, the Batman, the Reeves one at number two, and then number one being the Dark Knight for all the reasons yeah. that you said. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I also I really love if you are a Batman fan and you haven't ever watched the animated series, it's so good. It's on HBO yeah. Max. It's like. Yeah, it's certainly kind of campy and it's got like, you know, it, kids watched it, but it also is like pretty dark at the same time and has some actually cool storylines. And they made a movie called Mask of the Phantasm that is based the same animated character. And uh, that one, I've got that one at number five, um, just because it's just such a good Batman story. And Kevin Conroy is the voice of Batman and Mark Hamill as Joker are just like their voices mm -hmm. are unmistakably perfect for those characters. Yeah. Um, so that I can, that's can one that definitely. I really yeah, I haven't seen that, but I can definitely remember seeing a preview of that before Scooby-Doo came on on the VHS. Oh, since yeah. Warner Warner Brothers oh, yeah. owns Scooby-Doo. <laughs> so I I would wear out those Scooby-Doo VHSs. So I definitely remember those previews, but I don't think I've ever seen them, but I'll have to check those out. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really solid. So. All right. So that, that's that's would you say that's your favorite movie so far this year or, or would you go everywhere? Everything everywhere all at once. I actually was debating this with myself yesterday and I ended up putting everything everywhere all at once above Batman. Mm, I think that's where I'm at right now, too. Do you, do you want to key that? You want to cue that one up uh, just in terms of like what what is everything everywhere all at once? That's a really it's kind of a hard movie to to wrap your mind around. Yeah, like how do you <laughs> categorize it? Well, I think that maybe it's worth thinking about what the trailer makes it seem like it is and i guess what it actually is i like i think the trailer really plays off the current um intrigue of multiverse and all the marvel fans that are obsessed with like how do all these different things fit together and what's happening in this alternate universe and all these things yeah. like that and it seems like whether it was the director's choice whether it was the production company's choice whatever to say we're going to market this as like a multiverse story um really paid off and i think has gotten people in the theaters and maybe has gotten a 24 more room to put it in more theaters um but yeah it's it's really a the best word i can think of to describe the movie is just like bonkers like it's mm -hmm. hard to really 
categorize it as a thing. It's like science fiction, but also drama, but also comedy, but also probably four other things. Um, And it's got kind of breaks the rules. It's kind of a very uh, renegade rogue movie. That's like, we're making up our own rules for how movies are supposed to, you know, how how we play with genre and exactly. And there's so many moments of something happens. Somebody says something, a character does something, whatever. And you're like, I don't know if this is working for me. And then a few minutes later, you're like, Oh no, no, it's working for me. Okay. I'm bought in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely one of those that you have to, you have to just sit and kind of let it wash over you. Like you have to accept this is the kind of movie I'm in for and just stick with it. Cause it really pays off if you stick with it. Um, I, I it's honestly kind of like watching uh, a live action, really weird anime. Like there's a lot of people I think that think anime is like super mm. weird and cannot understand why in the world people enjoy it. And I like, I get that. But as a person who does enjoy it, there's some stuff that like I'll be watching and my wife will walk in and literally she'll be like, this is like gross and weird. Like, why do you like this? And I'm like, it's not gross and weird. It's just like how they choose to tell the story, you know? And I think this kind of has some of those moments of like, you kind of question like, why did they do it that way? But it's just the style. It's very stylized. It's very much, you know, Daniels, these, you know, two guys who directed it very much had a vision for this is, this is what we want it to be. Um, and this is the kind of story we want to tell. And I just, I think they do it really effectively and it's, it's wholly unique. I can't think of really anything else I've seen that I can really, in terms of its execution that I can compare it with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the best way to, to kind of cue it up in terms of the plot. So it follows, um, according to Wikipedia and my memories, uh, Evelyn Wong, uh, who is this Chinese American immigrant who, with her husband, Waymond, who is played by my boy, Ki Hu Kwan, who is, uh, or he's also known as Jonathan Ki Kwan, who is Short Round from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, one of my all-time favorite movies. Classic. And so anyway, these two um, very mild-mannered uh, immigrant uh, people with their daughter, their adult daughter, um, basically her life gets flipped upside down and she realizes that Basically, she has to save the universe and all other parallel universes from this this evil Jobu Tubaki, uh, who is um, manipulating all these black hole type things that's uh, an everything bagel. Of course, none of this makes sense as I'm saying it. And it <laughs> it doesn't really even make sense when you're watching it, but it, it also does. So um, she gets kind of her body gets taken over by essentially superhero martial arts um, versions of herself from other universes. And she has to um, defeat Jobu Tubaki to, uh, to make the world okay again. And so I think that in many ways, I think it ties in a little bit, two extremely different ways of telling a movie because with the Batman, it's, it's very dark. It's rainy. It's always raining. (laughs) It's um, it's very grounded. And in this it's, it's, like you said, you said live action anime in my letterbox review. I said, uh, erroneous of a live action Pixar movie. I think if mm. anything, it feels like a live action cartoon. 
mm-hmm. or a live action animation. And, and it makes sense. Cause I listened to an interview with Daniels, the two filmmakers, uh, Dan Kwan and Daniel, uh, Scheinert. And they talked about how their influences are anime and cartoons mm. and YouTube. And they're much more influenced by that than they are, you know, by, you know, these tomes of cinema, which yeah. produces something fresh and different and very much feels like just like a Gen Z movie to me. Like this yeah. is just the style of Gen Z, colorful, bright, fast, uh, funny, heartfelt, all these things at once. Right. And that's kind of the, yeah. the whole thing of the movie is that they're they're throwing everything at you, including you're laughing and one second at a yeah. ratatouille, <laughs> at a ratatouille like raccoon. And then the second you're like crying because she's trying to, you know, um, talk her daughter off of nihilism, the ledge of nihilism yeah. and, and suicide. And it's like, this happens in the span of about five seconds and you're laughing yeah. and crying at the same time. It's like, that's just so audacious. And what a big swing from these guys. And I think that they, they connect more than they swing and a miss. I think there's, there's times if I could come up with a criticism of the movie, I think there's times where maybe they go back to the well a little too many times on some of the, like once they get a running gag going, they're going to keep coming back to it. Yeah. Um, and when it's a ratatouille like raccoon, I crack up. But when it's other things, it's like, okay, we get it. You know, they're they yeah. hot dogs for fingers. Okay. I yeah. get it. Yeah. Um, but when, when the gags work, they really work. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I, I think that, I think a good way to maybe approach it as a viewer, if you're hearing some of the things Mitch just said and you're like, uh, doesn't, doesn't really sound like my thing. I, I think it's helpful <laughs> to think about it is, if you've ever played one of those video games that's like meant to kind of be hard and it doesn't give you any of the controls, you just have to like figure it out. It kind of feels like that watching it. Like we're not going to tell you the rules we're playing by. We're just going to let you experience it and kind of figure it out for yourself. And I think that's a, a really unique and fun way of approaching a movie like this is Mm -hmm. that you're not bringing any of your own, um, expectations to the table because you have no idea what to expect. And I think yeah. that makes it a lot more fun and a lot more enjoyable. Um, and there's certainly, you know, it does have a, it has a point. It has like a thesis to it. You know, it is trying to communicate a message. And I think at times, and maybe my one, maybe qualm with it would be that I, I think at times, maybe that message can be a little bit of your, a little bit of your typical, what seems to kind of be in a lot of movies coming out recently. And I think especially, Mm -hmm. you know, we mentioned earlier of it being almost like a live action Pixar. Um, Mm -hmm. I think because it's been so recent, um, you know, their movie turning red that just came out on Disney plus, um, is a movie that I did not personally enjoy. Um, there were aspects of it. I did enjoy. I enjoyed the animation. I enjoyed, um, you know, all the technical work that clearly went into it, but from a, from a message point of view, and obviously this is going to be subjective and people have different opinions than me and that's fine, but you know, it very much, you know, has this message of, you know, no matter what, you know, always be yourself, embrace every good, every bad, every, all these things. And they're all part of who you are and you need to be that no matter what and ignore anyone who tries to tell you different, which yeah. is a very problematic, I guess is a, <laughs> the best way to put it, way of thinking and approaching life. And, um, you know, Bre- Brett McCracken from Gospel Coalition wrote a really helpful 
review on it and some of his thoughts on it mm-hmm. that, um, you know, that I really agreed with just thinking about how we've gotten to, you know, a point in our culture where especially I think we see this in our art and in our movies has very much gotten to a place of things that have always meant been meant to be black and white have become gray and it's very much, okay, how do we make everything, you know, and everyone happy and, you know, able to do anything and, you know, no questions to be asked and no, no morality is wrong. You know, this kind of postmodern, you know, no absolute truth kind of idea. And obviously, you know, that's getting into a lot of things, but I think that sometimes everything everywhere all at once can fall into that trope a little bit of just like kind of constantly playing this idea of like, be who you are, you know, we accept you and, you know, this very much consistent trope that kind of just keeps getting played and keeps getting played. But where I think does a lot better than turning red, I think this one goes beyond just asking that question and ask much deeper questions of like, but wait a minute, why does it, even matter who we are if we don't even know why we're here in the first place. And I don't understand what are we doing here? What's the point? What's the purpose? And asking those really big questions that I said this in my letterbox review, I don't think they get the answers right, but I think it's great that they're asking the questions and hopefully Mm. getting other people to ask those questions and maybe search for some better answers. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in everything, everywhere, all at once, um, the main character who's played by brilliantly played, but we haven't talked about her at all. Michelle Yeoh, who was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, has a, has a martial arts, uh, pedigree to her, which really comes in handy. Uh, she was in Shang-Chi, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2, Crazy Rich Engines. Um, and she's great. And so her daughter, um, who it turns out is, her name is Joy, which I think is intentionally, yeah. I think she's intentionally named Joy because she is Jobu Tupaku, Tupaki. Uh, so that's like a little spoiler there for you. I guess they you find that out pretty quickly in the movie. So she's this evil person from another dimension. But what is evil about her is just simply that she is hopeless and that she's nihilistic yeah. and that her pursuit of destroying everything is she wants to get to this place of nothingness and rest and Zen. And almost it's almost a little bit of Buddhism, I think, is thrown in there yeah. with that philosophy of hers. And um, Evelyn, the, the main character, is is basically she's like, you know, their their relationship is fraught and she has to talk her off of that suicidal nihilistic ledge. And the way that she does that um, is through love and through kindness. Um, I, uh, one of our friends, mutual friends, uh, Carson, uh, who's a big movie lover himself, he, he saw the movie, asked him what he thought about it. Um, and he said this, he said, I can, the bigger picture it talks about is the true implications of nihilism. And then it spends the final 45 minutes saying, just be kind and do whatever you want. And it didn't mm-hmm. take a critical look at how much of a generalization filled with holes that that thesis is. And I thought that was an interesting critique. And I think I agree with it at some point. I do think that there, there is a very confused worldview right now. Uh, that's very like Western pop psychology, love yourself. You know, it's, it's really, we've gotten completely rid of sin or we've mm-hmm. redefined sin to make it uh, more systemic and less yeah. individualized. And so we are teaching everyone that we must accept individuals, but we must push back against the system. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he, he, he thinks that the, they combat nihilism with hey, just be nice. <laughs> and that yeah. that is enough. And I think that that's an answer. 
I think that's part of the answer. Yeah. And I think I, I think it should be celebrated. And I think that with the Batman, with everything everywhere all at once, you're getting two visions of, you know, we can either respond to evil or threats with vengeance, anger, uh, wrath, or we can respond with grace, kindness, and love. And I mm-hmm. think that the way that people want heroes to lead in our world today is through kindness and love and not through vengeance and anger. And I think that's something we should celebrate, even if their their worldviews and, you know, aren't going to hit it all, on all cylinders from a Christian perspective. At the very least, there is something in it to celebrate. Yeah, because uh, certainly, you know, if you're going to. If you're void of void of a foundational reasoning for this is why I behave in the way that I do and this is why, you know, I interact with people in the way that I do. Obviously, you prefer that people would go with the kindness and the joy and the peace, you know, but at the end of the day, even if that is the way in which you live, and even if that's the way, you know, that everything everywhere all at once is encouraging us, you know, that's how you approach the nihilism is to say, you know, love everyone, be kind, have joy in the little things, all those ideas while great. And like you said, still really important, even for Christians is a way in which we should, often approach life and live and try to, you know, carry that joy with us. But at the same time, void of any type of reasoning for it, you do eventually have to get to the question of, well, what am I being kind for? What do I have joy for? What are any of this? And then you Mm -hmm. circle back to the exact same question you started with. What's the point of all of this? Mm -hmm. And so it's Eventually, it becomes a never-ending circle if you never have a foundational answer or reason for why you're doing anything. And mm-hmm. so I you think that that's – well, I was just going to say I think that's where so many things, this turning red, all those always fall short is that – and even other really good and helpful movies, even something like you know Inside Out that Pixar did years ago, you know, bringing up these really interesting and important ideas for us to be thinking about of – why do we behave the way that we behave? Why do we, you know, do the things that we do? And you can ask so many great questions, but at the end of the day, without the answer, without the foundation for it, you're going to just keep circling back to the same questions. And so mm-hmm. I think that that's where a lot of these things always are going to fall short um, of having any real answer and really actual, you know, helpful push in the right direction. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think it is still always nice to see, I guess, the questions being asked, you know, yeah, yeah. I'd rather that than it being like, well, I guess the answer is do whatever you want. Who cares? You know, that's mm-hmm. always kind of like, a, which I think is maybe what Turning Red felt a little bit like, you know? Yes, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, I think that I think what we're seeing is that the authority has been replaced from external to internal. Yeah. So in, you know, pre or in modern times, even before modern, pre-modern times, the authority came from outside of yourself, whether that was the hierarchy of your kingdom or your religion. And now the authority is the self. And I think that that leads to just chaos. Yeah. And um, I think a, a more charitable reading of everything everywhere all at once is that uh, the kindness of Evelyn and her love of, and of both of her parents it showed her that maybe there is something worth living for, and maybe there is some semblance of hope 
and peace and kindness in a in a world that feels so bleak and meaningless. And yeah. maybe there can be meaning that's found from kindness and something that's simple like that. And really, I mean, I think that between these two movies, the the bar has be has been so low for people <laughs> that now yeah. it's just like to to the act of just simply being kind to another person is now a superpower. And I I think yeah. that's Something to celebrate again, yes, yeah. but also it's sad that that's where we're at, where just being humane to another person is now a superpower, and it's now yeah. something that can save the world. And yeah. I, I do mourn, you know, that that we have gotten to that point, but at the same time, gave us a couple great movies. <laughs> yeah, and I would yeah. certainly well, say that everything, everywhere, all at once is um, definitely, definitely worth seeing. Yeah, and I think too, you know, at the end of the day whether or not we agree to the conclusion of, you know, where they came to on some of those questions, it still is, you know, breeding and giving us room for the conversation that we're having, you know? And I think that that's the beauty of film. And that's the reason that we do what we're doing and, yeah. you know, take the time to do it is because, you know, whether or not you think about movies super critically when you watch them or whether or not you're just trying to enjoy it, you can, you're always taking something away from anything, whether or not it's something you agree with, whether or not it's something that you disagree with, whatever it is, you're always walking away with something and everything. It's kind of like every, sometimes you forget when you're watching commercials that every single commercial is about something that costs money. And I think in the same way, every movie is pushing some worldview or some type of idea at you and you're mm -hmm. going to, you're going to digest it whether or not you realize you are or not. And so I think that this is one that I do think leads to really good conversations and is really worth seeing, especially with other people and being able to kind of talk about what you enjoyed in the craft, but also being able to talk about the ideas that it presents. Yeah. And I, just to put a bookend on, on this conversation about this movie, uh, Jordan Calhoun, who's a writer for the Atlantic had an article, um, called Everything Everywhere All at Once is a Masterpiece. But his quote, he opens up the the um, article talking about his history as a Christian. He's no longer identifies as a Christian, but what he does say is he says, without a belief in God and the framework that comes with it, how can I determine my worth? I don't hmm. have an answer for coping with the meaninglessness of life, but Everything Everywhere All at Once does, and the movie is a masterpiece. I would disagree and say that I don't think it has a complete answer. I think it has a partial answer, but mm -hmm. I do think it shows the importance of a movie that makes people think about the most important questions you can ask. Yeah. Yeah. I and agree. it, and, and if it has <laughs> ratatouille raccoons making you laugh <laughs> in the process, even better. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. So that's, the two movies that, that we have kind of had the most fun with so far this year, but there are a few coming on the horizon, Nathan, that I think we're going to be really excited about. Uh, Nathan and I are both unabashedly big Nicolas Cage fans, uh, right? I don't want to just speak look myself like there. I look like him a lot. So okay, I've, I always felt the, I've always felt the need to uh, to really enjoy his stuff and like really fight for him because I want to look like a guy who's talented. Um, there you go. So, yeah, if you are wondering if I actually do, I don't think I do. But, you know, you're welcome to find me on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I don't necessarily agree, but I am very excited for this movie. 
Yes, the unbearable weight of massive talent, which is a very meta look at the career of Nicolas Cage. Uh, but we're also getting The Northman from Robert Eggers um, of The Lighthouse and The Witch fame. And I this The Northman uh, looks like a pretty <laughs> brutal, gritty revenge story. And I'm pretty excited for it from just a yep. pure spectacle perspective. And then there's other movies, you know, you got uh, Ambulance, uh, which is apparently good. A Michael Bay movie that's huh. good. We'll see. So, uh, yeah, so there's, there's still things to see. Don't forget Father Stu. Uh, that's that's coming out this weekend. Uh, I, I, I don't know what that is. Uh, you, you haven't heard about Mark Wahlberg becoming Father Stuart Long, a boxer turned priest? And Mel Gibson's have... in there, too. Oh, you man. haven't seen the trailer for this? Oh, no, I have not. But that sounds like... Well, uh, you can watch it and you tell me if you're excited. <laughs> I think that's what I'm going to do next. But uh, So we'll have an episode up probably in the next month or so that we'll no doubt be reviewing The Northmen and, and maybe a few others and maybe reviewing an older movie. Uh, who knows? But yeah. yeah. So until then, this is The Cinema Files. I'm Mitch Wiley. And I'm Nathan Robertson. And keep watching great movies. We'll see you all next time. 